0: Good morning Bethesda how are you guys doing this morning well, as uh, Jeremy said, my name is Justin Goodson. Man, I'm just excited to be with you today, excited for what God has for each one of us. Man, I've just been loving getting to know uh, your church even better. I- I've known your pastors for years, and uh, man, you have some incredible, incredible pastors. I-, I know you know this, but I just wanted to take a second and honor Pastor Chad and Karen and just all the work they've done building and, and uh, leading this church. Can we give it up for your pastors? We love them. We appreciate them. Man, they just love you guys. Brag about you. Speak so highly of you. And uh, I've, I, like I said, I've known of Bethesda for so long. This is my first time here, and I'm just, man, I, I love it. I love uh, just being with you guys and getting to know some of the, the people here. You guys just, um, man, I just love, love what God's doing here. It's incredible. But, um, you know, uh, before we get started, I wanna introduce you to my family. Uh, this is my, my family here, they got a picture. That's my wife, Megan. Uh, we celebrate uh, next month 13 years being married. So uh, she's had to put up with me 13 years. That's a work. Uh, but this is uh, my two kids. That's Hope. Uh, she, she's my leader. Um, she, you know, if she were here today and if you were unsure of what you should be doing, you could just ask her and she would tell you exactly what you should be doing in great detail. Uh, I call her my brave leader because she is, man, she is that. And uh, she's a handful. Pray for us. Uh, that's my son, Jude. He is uh, just sweet as can be. Jude's favorite thing in the world to do, uh, like on Friday night, he's like, buddy, what do you want to do? He's like, can we watch a Family movie and snuggle. And I'm like, yeah, dude, we can do that. His favorite, he is like, he needs to be touched at all times. He's like a puppy, you know, like you got to play with him a lot and you got to just rub his head. And uh, he's happy. Uh, but that's my family. They couldn't be here with me today, but I, I just want to introduce you to them because, um, and they are praying for you. They love you. And this is my, um, ask from you. Uh, if you think of me and you think of us after this moment, could you just do me a favor and, and pray for pray for us? Uh, ministry is tough. Ministry is unique and uh, so many just great things that you get to be a part of if you're in ministry, but so many difficult things. Uh, you go from just a high, high uh, where God is moving in a church service and then you get a phone call and you have to walk through just tragedy with the family. Ministry is tough. So if you think of me, think of us before or after today, just pray for us and I'll do the same for you. Uh, been praying for you and we'll continue to do that as well. But I wanted to read a a passage of scripture to you. It's kind of a famous passage of scripture. Uh, And so if you're kind of heard of this story, you know, I'll, I'll read it to you in just a second. If you've heard of this story, do me a favor and don't disengage. Because I think sometimes if we we, we think because, well, I've read that before, I've heard that before, we think God can't say something new because we've read it before. But I think because God's word is living, it's powerful, it's alive, that it can speak directly to where we're at, even though it's something that's common to, to us, something that's ordinary to us, something we've heard before. But I think, you know, my take on it's going to be unique. I think it's going to help you. And I think more than anything, it's going to speak right to where you're at. I also have to warn you. I'm a preacher, which means I, I, I get loud, I yell a lot, and I'm very passionate. And the reason I'm like that is not because that's my personality, it's because of what Jesus did for me personally. I've been through a few things, and I, I just get excited about Jesus, I get excited about the things of God, and I just preach. So here, here's what I'm telling you, the more you say amen, the more you clap, the more you get excited, the more it helps me, and the faster I'll go. And so... If you want to be here till two o'clock, you know, don't say nothing. Don't don't help me out. But if you say amen, I'll preach fast, I promise. But uh, man, I, I just believe today's going to be significant. I was texting Pastor Chad just last night about it. I was like, man, I just feel like the word for today is just significant. For some of you, today's just going to be a marker day where you leave just with new thoughts, you leave with new ideas, you just leave different. And so I believe that I'm praying for that. But uh, let's read the passage. It's Mark chapter five. And this story, uh, maybe in your Bible, it's labeled the woman with the issue of blood. And it's the woman who um, was, was sick. She's sick for 12 years. We'll, we'll read it in a second. But before I read it, I thought, what I find interesting is even the label of that. We call her the woman with the issue of blood. And what I find interesting is we attach a label to her, um, and that label is from her worst moments. So this is the woman, this is a woman with the issue of blood. That's how we identify her. But that was just part of her story. It wasn't the end of her story. And I think some of us, we do the same thing with our own lives. We attach labels to ourselves that were simply chapters in the story that God is writing of our lives. And, and what I hope is to redeem her story. She really shouldn't be called the woman with the issue of blood. She should be called the woman who believed God even though she went through a hard season. She should be the woman that we label the woman of great faith who believed God in spite of her situation. She's not the woman with the issue of blood. She was healed longer than she was sick. We do the same thing. We look at our past. We look at our history and we, we attach things to us and we allow other people to attach things to us that are simply part of our story and not the end of our story. And I said all that to say, let's read this verse. Verse 25 says there was a woman in the crowd and she had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She's sick. She's sick for years. It says she suffered a great deal from many doctors. She'd gone from doctor to doctor to doctor. She says, Over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. And honestly, she didn't even get any better. She, she was actually worse. Can you imagine being that? You're sick and you're going for solutions and it just gets worse and it's costing money and the bills are racking up. Verse 27 says, she heard about Jesus though. She came up behind him through the crowd. She touched his robe for she thought, if I could just touch him, I'll be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body. That she had been healed of her terrible condition. Let's pray. We pray with me. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word, which is alive, it's active, it's powerful. God, it's sharper than any two edged sword, and it speaks directly to where we are. God, I pray that you help each one of us today to not settle where we're at, but may we move forward and may we believe again. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Come on. You guys are doing it already. You said, amen. I mean, I'm going to speed up. I just, it's going to happen. But um, you know, it was last January. I was teaching at our church and uh, the title of my message was grappling with grief. And there are some messages that are kind of birthed out of a passage. You, You read it and God speaks to you and it's exciting. And there are some messages that are just birthed out of your own personal journey. And for my wife and I, that message on grief was birthed out of our personal journey. Because at the end of 2020, we got a phone call that my father-in-law was being rushed to the hospital, and we didn't even know he was sick. But uh, what we found out was that um, he had COVID, and he ended up in the hospital. And over the next 36 days, it was just this grueling uh, battle. Um, I-, I would say it was probably the hardest season of my wife and I's life uh, that we had gone through, because on January 11th in 2021, he tragically passed away, and. That whole journey had so many ups and downs. There were days where we'd get a good report and we were excited and believe in God for his healing. And there were days where we get a bad report and we'd call friends and we'd cry with friends and we'd pray again. And it was just this up and down. And I remember the morning that we got the phone call uh, that he had passed away. It was like four in the morning. And um, it was just a really hard day. And then we, um, we were living in Missouri, and we drove down to where he was at in Louisiana to have the funeral. And then within 24 hours, my wife's grandmother also passed away. Um, same thing. And so we had two funerals uh, 24 hours apart. And um, God did some great things through that. Like, he saved my, my father-in-law. He he wasn't a believer. And days before he was unconscious on a ventilator, God saved him. And it was just... Amazing. I'm so grateful that God answered that 20 year prayer for his salvation. Um, but he didn't he didn't make it. And I was sharing that story with our church and kind of helping them walk through grief for their for themselves. And as I walked off stage, I got a message um, from a lady in our church. And she said, Justin, the, the story that you just talked about of your father in law. She says, I'm walking through right now with my dad. He's in the hospital on a, on a ventilator, has COVID. Will you come pray for him? And I would love to say that in that, you know, I was like full of faith. And I would love to say that I didn't have doubts. I would love to say, like, I'm the man of God and I just believed God. And, you know, I I would love to say that, but I'd be lying to you. Because what what hit me in that moment and what the enemy threw at me was just if it didn't work for you, it won't work for her. And in that moment, I had to decide, would my experience determine my theology or would I believe what the Bible says, regardless of the situation that I walked through? Is is God good, even though for my story, it, it ended differently than I expected? Is God still powerful enough to heal, even though for our story, it didn't work out like that? And so what I did the next day, I walk into this hospital bed, and I said, you know what? My experience is not gonna determine what I believe. What I believe is determined by God's word and God's word is sure and trustworthy. And if he says, and if he says lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, I'm just gonna believe again. I'm just gonna trust again. I'm gonna believe again. I'm gonna do what I know to do. Because there's this passage... This isn't in my notes, but there's this passage in Daniel chapter 3 that my wife lived on when we walked through our tragedy. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you're familiar with the story. They were, they were told you have to worship this statue, and if you don't worship this statue, we're going to throw you in a furnace and you're going to die. This crazy situation. Like, renounce your faith or die. And they're like, eh, we're not going to do that. And I, the phrase that they said was the phrase that my wife hung on. The phrase they said, they're looking at the king, they're like, we're not going to bow down. And they said this, they said, our God can deliver us. We believe he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, it doesn't change a thing. I love that statement of faith because they said, I know God can. And they took it a step further. They said, we believe God will, but even if he doesn't, it doesn't change a single thing. That I don't, I don't understand God and the way that God does God things. God's in charge and I'm not. I'm his servant. He doesn't have to explain what he does to me. That'd be like me explaining what I do to an ant. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. I just trust him. I trust that he's a good father and has good gifts for his children. And I don't understand his ways, but I trust his heart. And so my wife and I, when we walked through this, said, I believe God, I know God can heal him. I believe he will heal him. But even if he doesn't, I'm going to worship. Even if he doesn't do what I desire, he's still worthy of my surrender. See, if God does nothing for you other than save you, he is still worth your unwavering allegiance. And so I walked in that hospital bed. I laid my hands on the guy. I said, God, in your mercy, will you heal this man? I said, God, in your mercy, would you spare this family what my family walked through? God, would you heal this man? And I just left. It wasn't dramatic. He was unconscious. I left. A few months later, I was at the doors of our church, and this older man comes walking up to me. Because you probably don't remember me because the last time you saw me, I was unconscious and hooked up to a bunch of machines. But you came to that hospital room and you prayed for me. And I'm standing here today completely and totally healed. And it was in that moment that I realized that my faith, and thank God for doctors. I'm not trying to, you know, lots of people were at work. People were praying. I prayed. Doctors worked. It was in that moment, though, I realized I could have settled for a less than faith than what God had for me. I could have just settled that, well, God, you know, he's sovereign and he gets to do whatever God wants to do. And I could have taken a passive approach to faith, but I decided that I believed God in spite of the tragedy we walked through. Because what I know to be true, what's true with this woman, her faith initiated her miracle. If she would have taken a passive approach, well, if God wants me healed, he'll just come heal me. No, no, no. She went pursuing Jesus. She went after Jesus. She believed Jesus. And if you and I don't take the same approach to faith and life, if we're just hanging back, like if it's God's will, it'll happen. Well, we will not receive all that God has for us if we take a passive approach to faith. And so what I believe today for you, what I believe that the Holy Spirit sent me here to say and to do is to get you to believe again. Maybe you've been through some hard, hard things, some difficult days, and you have a wounded faith. You have a wavering faith. You have an uncertain faith. It's my prayer today that the Holy Spirit will breathe fresh life into your faith again. And if you allow me, we'll walk through this story and I'll help you get to the place that you can believe again. See, there's a statement that psychologists teach. It's actually really good, but I think we take it too far. And it's this, it's that past behavior is the best predictor of future behavior. Now, if you've got some dysfunctional people in your life who mistreat you, you should like write that down, maybe set up some boundaries. Like past behavior is the best indicator of future behavior. There's a lot of truth to that when it comes to relationships, when it comes to people. A lot lot of truth to that. But I think we take it way too far and we say that my past is the best indicator of my future. That my past, just because it happened and it was negative, it means it's going to happen again. We take it way too far. It's not just about uh, boundaries with people. We take it so far as to say, my past is going to predict my future. And I would say that's the statement of faith of an atheist. Why? Because if your past is going to predict your future, you've ignored the fact that God has uh, unconditional love for you and an unlimited power towards you. That To say that my past is the best indicator of my future is to say that God's not involved in my present. See, when you add God to your situation, when you add God to your life, there is absolutely nothing that is impossible. Nothing's impossible if God is involved in your situation. And so just because it's been that way doesn't mean it's going to be that way. And with this woman, we read, again, verse 25, it says, A woman in the crowd had suffered 12 years with constant bleeding. Not only was she sick, she was sick for a long period of time. It wasn't weeks, it wasn't months, it was years, years this woman suffered. And what's unique about her culture and her story is that she would have been what they considered unclean. And unclean meant that she wasn't allowed to be around people. That she wasn't allowed to be a normal member of society. She wasn't allowed to touch people because if she touched people, they would be unclean and they would have to stay outside the camp for X amount of days. And they treated her like she had a plague. They treated her like you you can't get near me because I don't want what you have. They weren't very advanced in modern medicine. So they just said, you're sick, go away. There's something wrong with you. I don't want it, go away. And culturally, she would have been isolated, She would have been alone, she would have been shunned. If she went in public, she would have had to announce by what she wore and what she said that she was unclean. Like, hey, I'm unclean, you might wanna run away. And everyone rejected her. Everyone ran from her. No one wanted to be around her. We don't know much about her family history, but if she were married, it meant her husband wasn't allowed to touch her or he'd be unclean. She had kids, they couldn't touch her or she'd be unclean. If she went through, if she had a difficult day, she couldn't feel the embrace of a friend because they would be unclean. She was isolated. She was alone. And her situation, if I'm her, I'm, I, I would just have a lot of doubts. I, I would have a lot of doubts. And, and what's true about her is also true for us. If I'm going to get you to believe again, we first have to deal with your doubts. If I'm going to get you to believe God again, we first have to acknowledge your doubts. This woman, I'm sure, had a lot of doubt. She had a lot of like, I don't know if, I wonder, like, it's always been this way. I'm not sure. She had a lot of doubts. And there's another story from a guy named Abraham, who his story, I'm sure, had a lot of doubt as well. I'm just going to recap it for you because in in Genesis, we, we find Abraham and God comes to him. He's 75 years old. God comes to him and says, you, he changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many nations, and he says, you're going to have a son, and I'm sure if you're Abraham at that point, you're like, Lord, I'm 75 years old, and the woman you gave me, she is older, like, she's old, like, I'm good, like, we got it, but this woman, Lord, like, I don't know if she can have children, I'm sure he, he's looking at God like, I know you're God and all. You know who you're talking to? Like, do you know my situation? Do you know what I'm going through? Do you, do you know we, we've struggled with infertility for the, since the day we got married? And we're old. God, I don't think that's going to happen. God, I'm not, and and we see his story he gets that promise from God. God says, "Look at the stars of the sky. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Look at the sand on the shore. That's how many descendants you're going to have." And we see his story that happens at 75. He doesn't have a son until he's 100. What's crazy is he has a son when he's 100. So they have a baby in diapers and he's in diapers. That's a miracle. He's 100 years old, has a baby. And I love what this, I'll read it to you in in Romans in a second because it recaps kind of his story briefly. But what I find interesting though, I'm sure Abraham was blown away by the miracle that was having a child when he's 100 years old. His wife's in her 90s. I'm sure he's blown away. But at the same time, if I'm Abraham, I'm going, Lord, you told me I'd be the father of nations, and yet all I have is a son. Even the fulfillment of God's promise, which was miraculous, must have been disorienting because it looked different than I'm sure Abraham would have expected. In his lifetime, he didn't have many nations. In his lifetime, what he had was a son. Even the fulfillment of the promise would have been Just shaky to his faith. Like, God, I thought you said nations. i have a son. And what I find interesting about that situation is God's promise does come to pass. Because Isaac becomes the nation of Israel. And you and I today are, are in the lineage of Abraham. We're followers of Jesus because of his faith. So all of what God promised is true. But it must have looked different than he would have thought. And that's what I think is also true for me and you, that God's not less faithful because he doesn't do things how we want him to do it. God's promises to you aren't aren't less true because we don't get to dictate how God does what God does. The promises of God, uh, scripture would say, are yes and amen, but how those promises come to pass, we don't get to determine. See, you might feel like God promised that you'd have a family. Maybe how God answers that promise is through adoption, through fostering. See, that promise that you feel like God gave you is still true, even though it comes to pass differently than what you thought. So you might be believing God for a better job and a higher promotion, but maybe you're going to lose the job you have now first. Maybe you're believing that your kids are going to serve God. Maybe they're going to walk away from their faith for a little bit first. I don't know what you're believing for, but what I'm saying is God is faithful to his plan, not our wishes. We don't get to tell God how he does his will for our lives. And here's, here's the struggle. This is going to sting a little bit, but eh, it's my spiritual gift. For many people... Our faith in God is as deep as the outcome we desire. And when the outcome is differently than we desire, many people, it derails their faith. And what I'm saying, we don't put our faith in a good outcome. We put our faith in a good God. Then God redeems, restores, and works in our story as long as we stay in his hand. He does work all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He is, uh, you can count on his word coming to pass, even though it might be different than what you thought. What I realized when we walked through our journey is that God is God and I am not God is not a genie that I get to command. I'm his servant that does what he says. Here's the second thing with this story, though. We continue. Mark twenty-six, 5.26. So she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. She had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten much worse. And I'm sure if you're this woman, you're struggling with disappointment continually. Because I imagine if you're her, you you, you hear about a new doctor and you're like, maybe they have the answer for my condition. Maybe she hears about a specialist in another town and she goes to the specialist only to be let down again. Maybe she goes to the naturopath and they change her diet and they put her on a bunch of supplements and it's a different path. And she's thinking, maybe this will produce my healing only to be let down again. Time after time after time, she hopes, she believes, and she's let down. And I'm sure if you're her, you're just struggling. I'm sure her faith is wounded. I'm sure her belief is struggling. If, if you're her, she probably doesn't have a, lot, have a lot of hope that this is ever going to get any better. And you might be there today. I don't know your story. I don't know your situation specifically. I do know God knows. And if that's where you're at today, I have some help for you in a minute. But we have to acknowledge that before I can get you to believe again, we have to deal with your disappointment. That you're just disappointed. You thought it was going to work out a certain way and it just didn't. And I think what's true of us is that all of us are on a search for a formula to faith that would allow us to avoid all pain, all heartache, and all disappointment. We all want that. We all wish that were true. And I wish I could tell you that were true. I wish I could reveal to you the secret formula to always get what you want from God. I, I wish that I could tell you, like, here's the, here's the secret sauce. Like, I got it. I wrote a book. You know, I'll sign it for you. No, I wish I could do that. It's just not true. There's not a formula to faith that allows you to avoid heartache, pain, and struggle. Because Jesus said in John 16, he says, in this life, you'll have trouble. That's a promise from God. Write that one down. Confess it over your life every day, you know. Put it on the mirror in your bathroom. Like, in this world, I will have trouble. But that verse doesn't end there. It says, yeah, you'll have trouble, but I've overcome the world. Yeah, you'll have trouble. I've overcome the world. Yeah, you'll have heartache. Things will be different than you expected. But if God be for me, who can be against me? See, for many of us, we, we, we wish we could understand faith in all of its nuance so that we can get what we want. We wish we understood the formula to prayer that if I prayed a certain way, that, that then God will answer my prayer. We, we think, some of us, that if I get enough people praying, then surely God will answer my prayer. Because with God, you got to hit a quota because he's petty. And if you don't do enough good works, then he won't work in your life. That's simply not true. There's not a formula to faith that would allow you to never experience heartache because a life without struggle, a life without ups and downs would be a life void of faith. And scripture would say without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's not going to give you a life without faith because a life without faith is a life that doesn't need him. And God wants you to be dependent on him and live a life full of faith. God allows you to walk through ups and downs in life to point you to himself. And many of us want to bypass anything hard. And I I empathize with that. I, I wish, I wish. But let's be honest. If anyone had that secret formula, they'd be living it out and they're not. If anyone had that magic button, wouldn't they help us out and give it to us? But the life that God asks you to live is a life that's dependent on him. A life that trusts him. A life that surrenders to him. A life that says, God, I know you can. God, I believe you will. But even if you don't, because what I know to be true is that one day he will right every wrong. One day he will return and he will establish a new heaven and a new earth. And one day he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And one day he will right the, the, what has sinned, has broken and destroyed. And one day Satan will be cast into the burning fire of furnace. And one day all of, all of that heartache will be swallowed up. And we can say, oh death, where is your sting? Oh death, where is your sting? your victory. It's been swallowed up in eternity and you and I will get to rule and reign with Jesus and all of that pain will be washed away. But we trust God until that day while we go through hard times on this day. That I trust God's hand, excuse me, I, I trust God's heart even when I can't see his hand in my situation. That his heart is for me. He's a good father who loves me. He loves you. He has a plan for you that is good. Not to harm you, to redeem you, to give you a future. But again, it just might look different than you thought. If your life never has ashes, it can never have beauty. says he takes ashes and makes them beautiful. If there's no mourning, there's no joy that comes in the morning. So many of the promise of, promises of God are given to us, knowing we'll go through difficult days. Let's continue reading. Mark 527 says so she heard about Jesus. Pause right there. She heard about Jesus. She had been sick, she'd been sick for years. she's going to doctor after doctor after doctor. she's now poor because of it. And then one day everything changed because she heard. About Jesus, I love this because what it means to you and I, if you and I don't uh, uh, prioritize environments where we hear God's word, we'll never receive what God has. Right. If we don't ever hear God's word, Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we're never hearing God's word, we'll never have the faith to receive what God said. Because there's a promise from God in his word about your situation. And you, you have to prioritize God's word. What is true for so many Christians, I love us because I am one of us. But sometimes when it comes to the word of God, we want to do the bare minimum. And then we get mad at God for not doing what we desire. If you only eat once a week, you're going to starve And spiritually, so many Christians come and they eat once a week through the mouth of somebody else and they're wondering why their faith is struggling. I'm not saying that to shame you. I'm saying like you need to feed on God's word because it's his word that builds your faith. And Sundays are just not enough. That's why you need to get in a connect group. That's why you need to go through the compass class. That's why you need to do all the things that are going on here because your faith needs to be fed. And if it's not fed, don't be shocked when it's not strong. you got to prioritize environments where you hear God's word. Because if you hear a lie long enough, you'll start to believe that it's true. And if you hear the truth long enough, you'll actually start to believe that it's true. That's why John 8.32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's the truth you know as truth that sets you free. And if you never hear it, you'll never receive it. Let's continue. So this story of this woman... is in all three of what they call the synoptic gospels. This is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of tell the same story of Jesus in their own kind of unique way. But Luke, I love the the passage in Luke who tells this story because he adds a detail to it that's not in the other ones. And it's a unique detail that I think he adds on purpose that gives some nuance to this story that I hope is going to encourage your faith today. See, Luke's a doctor, and so as Dr. Luke, his, his gospel is actually much longer than the other gospels. He has a bunch of details to it because he's a doctor. He just sees things a little different. And so he says this in Luke 8, 44, talking about this, this woman with the issue of blood. It says this, she came from behind him, and she touched the border of his garment. The other verse just says she, you know, she touched his robe. This one adds where on his robe she touched So she touched the border of his garment and immediately her condition was healed. And I'm a Bible nerd. Any Bible nerds in here? Don't raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand. Come on. I can relate. Bible. I, I'm a Bible nerd. I just love studying the Bible. I think about it, talk about it, listen to it. I listen to messages all the time. I'm studying. I'm reading books. Like, I just love the Bible. I'm just fascinated by uh, by it because there is not another book that's anything like it. It is powerful. It is alive. It is active. It pierces our heart. It describes, It shows us. Uh, scripture would say it's like a mirror. It shows us where we're wrong and where we need to get it right. It's just, I love the Bible, and you need to get a relationship with the Bible, you love the Bible, but I, let me be your Bible nerd friend for a moment. So I asked myself, why is she touching there? Like, like what's significant? Is, is it random? Because let, let's go, like, put yourself in her shoes for a moment. Like, why is she touching there? Because if I'm her, I don't want to be inconspicuous with my needs. I want to be obvious. I'm going like, hey, Jesus, I'm screaming. Like the blind guy, like, Son of David, have mercy on me. Like, I'm going up. I'm tapping him on the shoulder. Like, Jesus, I need some help. And I'm saying, like, pause. All your little disciples, all y'all need to pray for me. I said, let's pause. Let's get the whole crowd to pray for me. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes, stretch your hands out to my sister. Like, I want it all. But she doesn't do that. She just kind of goes through the crowd and touches the border of his garment. And her touch, though, she received healing, and nobody else did. Because if you read, we we didn't read it, but there were other people who were bumping into Jesus. She wasn't the only person who touched him, but she was the only person who was healed by him. So I asked myself, why? Why there? Why there? Why, Why is she touching there? Is it significant? Is it random? So let me be your Bible nerd friend. Numbers 15 says this. So speak to the children of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners or the borders of their garments throughout their generations and put a blue thread in the tassels on the corners. And you shall have that tassel that you may look. He's saying why. So the border on on Jesus' garment, this verse is describing, he's going to tell you why. Why do they want tassels on the border of the garment? Why, 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 why? So that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that you may remember to do all the commandments and be holy for your God. Then verse 41 says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God and I'm to be your Lord. She's touching there because this verse is describing that you're to put those tassels on the border of their garments to do two things. It was two things. It was two things specifically. You you were to put those tassels there, the border on his garment. You were to put it there because you were. uh, It was to be a, a reminder of God's word. See, she's receiving from God because while she's touching the border of his garment, she's remembering this verse. And this verse says, "Put those tassels there to remember my word to you." She's touching there as this prophetic symbol, and she's saying, "God, I remember your word." I remember Isaiah 53, 5 says that that by your stripes I'm healed. I'm remembering Exodus 15, 26 that says you're the Lord God, my healer. I'm remembering Psalm 103 that says you forgive all my sins, you heal all my diseases. She's remembering God's word while she's touching there because she's saying, God, I remember and I trust that your word is more true than my situation. In addition to that, that verse describes, it says that the purpose of those borders on the garments was so that people would remember God's faithfulness to their deliverance from Egypt. So she's saying two things. She's saying, God, I remember your word and I remember your faithfulness. That God, my people... We're enslaved for 400 years, and you told us you'd set us free, and after 10 plagues and the parting of the Red Sea, you set us free. And if you could do that for my people, you can also heal my condition. Because when you remember God's faithfulness in the past, it gives you hope for your future. And what's true of her is also true of you. That if you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, you've submitted your life to Jesus, God has already done the biggest miracle in your life that you ever needed. He's already accomplished it for you. You were dead in your sin and trespasses. You were an enemy of God, and now he's made you new, that old things are passed away and all things are new, that he put in you a new heart with new and right desires. And when you're born again, you're saved by Jesus. And it, my, my my point is this, that if God can save you, can you? can't he help your marriage? If God can save you, can't he heal your body? If God can save you, can't he deliver you from that addiction? The greatest miracle you ever had has already been accomplished on your behalf. The most work God has ever done to do a miracle was through salvation. He's already done the hardest thing, the most important thing you've ever needed. And there's one more reason why she touched there. It's found in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. It says, But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you might be sitting there thinking, Justin, what in the world does that verse have to do with this woman? Two things. First, the Son of Righteousness is a prophetic title talking about the Messiah, talking about the Son of God, talking about who Jesus is. It's saying, hey, when the Messiah comes, when the Son of God comes, he's going to come with healing in his wings. And that word wings, if you look it up, it's actually the exact same word as border, It's the exact same word as border on the garments. That she's saying by touching there, she's saying, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe that he's the Messiah. I believe that God, you promised to send us a savior and he is that savior. She's acknowledging that she is touching the very word of God, the son of God, the creator of the universe. She knew, she knew who she was touching. And we know who she was touching. See, when she touched him, she's not touching just another man. She's touching the very word of God. She's touching the, the she's touching the one who put breath in Adam's lungs. She's touching the one who's the promise keeper, who put a rainbow in the sky for Noah. She's touching the provider who put a ram in the bush for Noah. She's touching the divine guidance to David's slingshot of deliverance. She's touching the hands that held the Red Sea as the Israelites go free. She's touching the healer inside Peter's shadow. She's She's touching the voice that calmed every storm the disciples ever faced. She's touching the very pearl of great price that is worth our lives. She's touching Jesus, and she knows she's touching him. And because of who she's touching, she is completely made whole. I just think you should pause for just a second and worship God for what he's done. Because when you touch him, you're made new. Sorry, my voice is all straggly because I've been screaming a lot. I'm excited about this because she, she's communicating. God, I know your word. I trust your word. God, I know your faithfulness. You've been faithful. And God, I believe that Jesus has the answer to my situation. It's not random she touched there. She's communicating a ton of faith with a simple touch. Why did she receive her healing? She was full of faith. That's Mark chapter 5. I got one more verse for you and we'll be done. You guys have been very yelly and I'm almost done. Thank you for all your amens. One more verse, Mark chapter 6, says this. So this woman's Mark chapter 5, one chapter later. It says, whenever he entered into the villages, the cities, or the country... They laid sick people in the marketplace. And they begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. What am I saying with that? I'm saying what one woman did one chapter earlier was uncommon. It had never been done before, it was unheard of, it was impossible. And in just one chapter, because of one woman's faith, now what was uncommon, what was impossible, now everybody is doing it. What was impossible and unheard of, now an entire city is receiving because her faith paved the way for other people to receive from God what they needed in in their own lives. A whole city is healed because a woman decided, I'm not going to allow my doubt, I'm not going to allow my disappointment, I'm not going to allow my experience to keep me from believing again. And what I'm telling you, Bethesda Church today, is there is your fight of faith is more important than you think. It's not just about you. It's not just about you receiving from God what God has promised. It's also about your children who will watch their parents live a life of faith. It's also about your neighbors who are going to watch their friends live a life of faith. It's also about the people who will come after you that when you pave the way by faith for, you open the door to their miracle. And I'm saying to you, don't give up. Fight the good fight of faith not just for you, but for all those who will come after you. Your fight of faith is more important than you might know because there's a whole bunch of people who need you to win your fight. So don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't look at your past and say, it's always going to be this way. Fight. Fight, believe, trust again. For some of you, I just believe this from the Lord just right now, that some of you, there are dreams that you've had that you've just let go of. You say, there's no way God's gonna have me do that. There's no way God's gonna open that door. There's no way that that's gonna happen. I feel the Holy Spirit just saying, believe again. Believe again. Trust again. It's because when you step out of the boat that you see the miraculous. Let me pray for you. I'm gonna talk to you for just a second and we'll close. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this people. God, I see this room full of people and I'm just... (laughs) I just acknowledge that there's some needs in this room. And I also acknowledge that there are people that will come after them, that they're connected to, that need them to fight their fight, to win their battle, to trust God, to believe God. And Father, I just pray that Holy Spirit, you would awaken us that we would all believe again that we wouldn't give up, that we wouldn't grow weary in well-doing for in due season knowing we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Help us not give up. Help us to fight. With your heads bowed, with your eyes closed, I just want to talk to you real quick. You know, I was talking about Jesus and who he is, what he's done. And you might be in here today and you're not in a relationship with Jesus. But today, today's your day. Don't don't withhold your life for another second. If you're in here today and you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, today's your day. Make that decision. Choose Jesus today. There's not a better decision than you can make than to surrender your life to Jesus. Put Him in charge of your life and you'll be shocked what He does. If that's you today and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, it's super simple. It's just two things. Do you believe that He's the Son of God who died for your sins? Do you believe that he was crucified, killed, and raised back to life? Do you believe that? And then, second, are you willing to turn from sin and turn to him and surrender your life, your future, and your past to him? If that's you and you're saying, just I'm choosing to follow Jesus today, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I'm gonna point you out. I just want you to lift your hand. If that's you this morning, you're saying, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. Lift up your hand so I can see it, so we can pray. I see you. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Lift up your hand. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on. I see you. Come on. Best decision you'll ever make. I'm just going to pray for you and talk to you for just one more second, and we'll be done today. God, I just thank you for those who chose to follow you. God, I pray that they would walk out their salvation from this moment forward. We come against the enemy who would try to steal the word from their heart. God, we pray that the word that was sown today would bear fruit and that fruit would remain. In Jesus' name. Last group of people, I'm gonna have our prayer teams come up and staff if if you need prayer. For some of you, I would say this, if this message applied to you, If you're like, man, you read my mail, that's exactly where I'm at. I'm struggling to believe God again. I'm struggling to trust again. I I just, I have a wounded faith, a weak faith, a struggling faith, and I just need someone to pray for me. For some of you, maybe today is literally the day that you receive your healing, your answer, your deliverance. Maybe today is that day, like this woman, maybe today is your day. But maybe today is just a step forward. Maybe today is a day that things just begin to shift, whether it's instantaneous or you walk, walk it out. There's so many different people in here, so many different situations represented, but we just want to pray for you. So I'm going to close. I'm going to pray one more time. And then as, as the, we go back into worship, just respond. Let us pray with you, believing today is the day that things begin to change. Amen. Father, we love you. God, thank you for the opportunity to communicate your word to your people. God, I pray that the seed sown today would bear much fruit, that faith would be ignited, miracles would happen, and a ton of people would find the freedom that they need. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.